Steve, let me ask you a personal question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a mother, Steve? I do indeed. Fantastic. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, well, yes, we all do, but I'm sure you're a good son and you love your mother, don't you, Steve? Uh, uh, the best. I'm like legendary. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Well, I got a tip for you. You can really win Mother's Day. Win your mother over on Mother's Day. Cement your reputation as this really good son. Give your mom an Aura digital picture frame. Have you heard of these things, Steve? Yes, I have. They're loaded up with decades of photos. You can just like hook them up to the phone and then you get the photos running through it, kind of scrolling through it. You seen these things? Yeah, they're great. They're really cool. Yeah, and you can get everything. Uh, and Pictures of your mom, pictures of whoever, your family, your brothers, all, all these things. They're a wonderful item. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code word ChinwagPod at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is fantastic. Welcome. Welcome. Mass Mocastic. This is a classy venue. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, but we're going to take care of that pretty fast. <laughs> we're going to, yeah, but, drop uh, it down a few notches. It's awesome to be here in North Adams, where yeah. I haven't been in a long time. I worked at the Williamstown Theater Festival once. <laughs> Represent. 1988. Uh, yeah, and so it's a great part of the world, though. We Had you it. been in movies by then, or that was like oh, theater? No, man. Oh, no, okay, no, you were no, just no. starting. Okay. Yeah, just starting out, just a stripling, just a just a just a mere lad. And uh, but it's an awesome, beautiful part of the world. It is. Yeah, and uh, and anyway, thanks for coming here to uh, to our podcast, the Chinwag, uh, where where we uh, you know we talk about matters esoteric and bizarre and yep. uh, offbeat, marginal topics. Uh, so we, uh, we, we, we picked a topic for this evening. We just, you know, we picked a thing out of a hat to see what, you know, which is generally we just go with something strange. And we thought we would talk about Monsieur Nostradamus. Yes, that's the right. The seer, the famous prophet and seer. And talk about that kind of thing in general. And we'll see where we actually end up. Uh, you know, because that's sort of the idea here. Yeah, we won't stay on how topic. How fast we can get yeah, off topic. Exactly. Yeah, I'll take care of that. We, we, uh, I, when I was growing up, I used to hear the name Nostradamus all the time, but I really didn't know anything about him. And then we kind of had to bone up for this because he was yeah, like, we got to talk I, about Nostradamus. And I'm like, oh, shit, I don't, I have yeah, to I read some it. We stuff. picked the topic yeah. and I was like, I actually don't know anything about this. And <laughs> I'd never, never read any this. of this. Yeah, I'd never read any of these yeah. things. And basically what I knew was sort of like, I went back and in studying for this, studying, what if, well, I'm so full of shit. I actually have some notes here, which is, yeah. you should all be really happy I have notes. Um, 
I went back and watched a movie from 1977, I think it was, called The Man Who Could See Tomorrow. I don't think that's studying. That's not... It uh, felt like work to me. <laughs> but, but it was... I remember seeing this movie in the theater as a child. I must have coerced one of my parents to take me to see. I, and because and, I was really into all this stuff then, and I still am. And it was a fantastic movie narrated by Orson Welles. Oh, the great Orson Welles. The great Orson Welles, who used to do all these kind of mind-reading tricks. He'd go on talk shows. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he did. He would go on talk shows. He'd go on like Merv Griffin and be like, I'm going to read. And he would do oh, all of this kind of... Yeah, he would do kind of magic tricks that were sort of mind-reading things or, or seeing the future and stuff like that. This was right. at the end of his career? <laughs> no. Well, you know, I mean, he had a long end to his career. Yeah. But, but I guess so, yeah. And, and so somehow somebody paid him a lot of money to narrate this thing. And I went back and looked at it, and it's fantastic. And it's fantastically cheesy. And it's, and, it's, and it's him sitting in a study with a globe and smoking a cigar and being very sort of like, you know, did this 14th century seer actually predict the rise of Hitler and all this stuff? And it's, it's fantastic. But that was it for me. For That's Nostra all you Thomas. knew. That yeah. was basically it. And yeah, so well, it's nice to actually engage with to, him in a real way because yeah. it's super interesting. We, I think we both now know way more than we ever wanted to about Nostradamus. I'm going to lay out a couple of quick facts, and then we're going to start to deviate immediately. Um, he's born in 1503 wow. in, in, in France. He travels all around Europe. He dies in 1566. He settles down in uh, Salon, Provence. Okay. And... At first, he's married and has kids, but um, they die of the plague, as as happened at that time. Happened frequently. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. But he got. Did he uh, not foresee that? What was the problem? Right, Couldn't exactly. he? <laughs> what was going on that. there? It hadn't kicked in yet. No, it hadn't, yeah, kicked, it hadn't in kicked in yet. And he he gets his start with uh, uh, Catherine de Medici, who marries King Henry, Henry the Second, yeah. or something like and that. She, right? He writes some bizarre almanac entry that kind of foretells the death of Henry. He's like kind of a, he's a physician, quote unquote, yeah. right? Which yeah. back then meant kind of anything. Blood, that bloodletting, like yeah. on your back was people, being a doctor, yeah. basically. Yeah. And so he kind of, he, he learned sort of astronomy and all kind of these yeah. general things towards being a physician, right? And then astrology yeah. as a result of that. And, and yeah, and he starts writing an almanac, uh, which every year it would just sort of make these weird predictions. They were vague, you know, and I guess the way Henry dies is he's, I don't know if you know this, he was jousting right. and he, he gets, uh, the, the, what is it called? The jousting pole? The jousting, <laughs> the jousting pole. Sure. Pole. The jousting pole. Yeah. The research is <laughs> sure. So it sounds good. Um, and it basically like gets Lance, the Lance, <laughs> the Lance. Sorry. Thank you. It took me a while. There yeah. Was, the Lance or something. It gets under his helmet and goes through his it goes eyes. goes through his visor. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, oh, you know, Nostradamus said this was going to happen. And so that convinced Catherine, this uh -huh. guy knows what he's doing. But right. here's the catch. Then her son becomes the king, and she asks Nostradamus, how long will King Charles live for? And he oh. says he'll live to be 90. Uh-oh. But he dies at 23. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But people kept sort of yeah. believing him. I don't know why that didn't end his career right there, but he I, kept, yeah. kept going. 
He moved around a lot, I he think. Did. Yeah, I think yeah. he moved around a lot. He moved around. But these these uh, these almanacs were super popular. Yeah. And I think they made him a fair amount of cash. But he's a guy, like there's a lot of kind of legendary stories that kind of gather around him. Like there's the classic sort of story of him that he goes to some lord's manor and the guy tries to trick him. He has he tells the king, he tells the cook to get a black pig and a white pig. Oh. You ever heard this story? I haven't heard this, no. I don't think this is just Nostradamus, this story. So he gets a black pig and he says to Nostradamus, so which pig are we going to eat tonight? And Nostradamus says, the black pig. And so the guy goes back to the cook and says, cook the white pig, you know, to trick him. Oh, and then the I white see. pig, you know, the guy's carving the white pig up and it falls off the table and the dog eats it. So they do end up eating the black pig. So Nostradamus is right. <laughs> he was right. But it's all this kind of legendary stuff around him. And I think a lot of what seems to be known about him seems legendary. Yeah. He, he had a kind of uh, cure, maybe, that he was proffering for the plague. Do you remember this? Like, he a, supposedly, he could cure the plague with a, with a rosewater mouthwash. A rosewater mouthwash. Mouthwash, yeah. Which is better than the other plague cures, which involved goat urine. <laughs> uh, the goat so, urine yeah. mouthwash? That, yes. I don't know. I don't so know. So you could see why he... He caught on. Yeah, but supposedly they thought he could cure the plague. They thought he could do all of these sorts of things, but it all seems pretty legendary. It's super legendary, but the, it's weird because, like, even when you guys will remember when 9 11 happened, when bad things happen, he gets popular all over again. Like, uh, during, like, right up in the lead, lead up to World War II, something like uh, everybody was so worried about Hitler coming into Europe that um, it was something like 3,000 copies of Nostradamus's book called The Prophecies sold like in one month in a bookstore in Paris. It just completely So in times of sort of crisis, yeah. he gets popular again. Yeah. My question is, when has there not been a fucking time of crisis, <laughs> basically? So that's the interesting thing with me, with him, is it's like, well, I'm like, I think he's been popular because it's always been fucking crisis. It's always crazy. a crisis. It's yeah, always, there's yeah. always a sense of crisis. But it get, But when, did he, when, did, when does he start actually doing these prophecy things? I think it's like in the 18... Uh, I'm sorry, in the six in the 1540s. Really, you don't you don't know the really, Steve? You don't know the exact date? It was a fucking. It was a while ago, man. <laughs> yeah. I, it's a long time ago. It's so shrouded start, in mystery. He decides I'm going to start doing these real heavy prophecy yeah. things, not just like next year's harvest is going to be okay, yeah, or something like that, or 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 things like that. It's now things that are like there's going to be massive disaster yeah. and war and these incredibly crazy things. And the way he does it is he uh, looks out. You guys all know about your horoscope, right? And so what happens is you look out at the constellation and you see where is the moon or the sun or a planet up against the constellation, and then you make certain predictions. And he thought that if you uh, find a conjunction like if it's like the moon and it's the and Mars against like a certain uh, constellation, the conjunction indicates the repetition of history. So you're going to see the same thing. Like if there was a holy war uh, 500 years ago, right. and now you have the conjunction again, there's going to be a holy the war. Chances this year. are there'll be another. That war was the logic yeah. in 500 years. So he's actually thinking in real amounts of time and yeah. stuff like that. He said 20 years is like a minor conjunction. So that could be like bad crops or something. Then 250 years is something worse. And then almost a thousand years is the other cycle. Now, I couldn't, in my deep research that I did, 
<laughs> Allegedly, I can't tell whether at the time, but definitely now, apparently he was kind of a shitty astrologer. <laughs> but he wasn't very good at it, apparently. And I, I don't know whether at the, I mean, I think at the time, other rival, rival yeah, prophets, rivals. all those rival prophets were like, wait a second, your astrology is faulty, my friend. Your and conjunctions so, are wrong. Yeah, and I think there were a lot of other guys yeah. doing this stuff. Yeah. And I, I read something, too, that he would often, they would kind of crib from each other. They would kind of pull shit from yeah. each other, and they would sort of like, I guess plagiarism wasn't really the same thing then. <laughs> Well, it's totally fair game. Yeah. And this was this was considered science too. It, like now we think astrology is this wackadoodle stuff, but then it was science. You only studied the stars so you could do the hor horoscopes. That was considered. And but was he doing shit like? I, I, it seems to me like he was doing what they call scrying, which scrying. is yeah, nice. Right? <laughs> oh man, which is you're looking at a crystal, crystal gazing, or a crystal ball, or a mirror. And stuff like that. I think maybe he was doing that. Oh. You see things in the mirror. You see things in the crystal balls. These things that have a vaguely reflective surface of some kind. And they'll start to reflect these events and stuff like that. Or I think he did pyromancy. Pyromancy? Which is reading fire. Which is looking into a flame and seeing things like that. So that was how he did the divination. I think it's some... Although I did read in one, one thing that I found... I did read that apparently what he was maybe doing was eating a lot of nutmeg. Oh. Now, do you know this whole thing about nutmeg? I, I know that it can make you, tr it's kind of trippy. It can make you trip, basically. Sure. Right? It's, I, apparently sailors used to do it a lot through history and like whaling ships and these guys would just break out the fucking nutmeg <laughs> and like take a big spoonful of it and then drink a lot of water. And I think, you know, well... I've actually had experience with this. With Steve. nutmeg, I have. And <laughs> oh, when I read tell. that Nostradamus had been, had been had been had been chugging the nutmeg, I was like, you know, when I was about fifteen, I had a friend, good friend of mine, still a friend of mine, who's one of those kinds of guys. He was like, hey, I hear it. If we eat a spoonful of nutmeg, we can get high. Yeah, we'll get really high. So we did it. I remember sitting in his kitchen and eating big heaping spoonfuls of nutmeg. <laughs> and much like ayahuasca, in a way, <laughs> he puked. I didn't puke. Tripping? Uh, lightheaded? Very lightheaded. You didn't see God? No, not really. But I do remember doing it. And so I'm like, really? He was doing nutmeg and this was how he was writing all these things? I, it doesn't make sense to me. By the way, this kid also did the whole banana peel thing. Do you know the whole banana peel thing? What's the, uh, see, this smoked. guy's nodding his head. <laughs> this is a guy, you probably smoked up some banana peel, but hopefully before you came here. But the banana peel thing is you like stick the banana peels in the oven and you cook them and then you scrape off the shit, the brown stuff, and you smoke it. What's Donovan? that? Donovan? Oh, really? Is that what that is? Come Mellow on. Yellow is about smoking banana peels? Fantastic Holy shit. news. See, this is why this we gathered smart at Mass our fans Mocha. Are. This is why we all came to Mass Mocha this evening. Oh, my stars, Steve. My stars and stripes. We have some exciting news. Shall we tell them? We should reveal that Shinwag is hitting the road again and going on a West Coast tour. Yes, that's right. If you missed us in your fair city, truly, friends, don't fret, don't fear, don't have a panic attack. 
Do not panic. We will be recording live Chinwags in May in Los Angeles, Portland, and Seattle. Yes, in L.A., we'll be at Dynasty Typewriter on May 14th. You can go to chinwagpod.fm slash Los Angeles for tickets. And on May 16th, we're going to be in Portland at Revolution Hall. For those tickets, go to chinwag.fm slash Portland. And we'll be at Town Hall, the great town hall in Seattle on May 17th. For tickets to that, go to chinwagpod.fm slash Seattle. You do not want to miss this. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be mighty, mighty. So get your tickets at chinwagpod.fm, and we will see you there. Come on out, waggers. Come out, waggers. Come out. (laughs) Come out of hiding. This is Paul Giamatti speaking. And this is Stephen Asma. And this episode of Chinwag is sponsored by BetterHelp. It is indeed, Steve. Let me ask you a blunt question. Do you ever feel stuck, Steve? <laughs> I'm serious. Do you ever feel kind of stuck in the mud? Every day, my friend. Yeah. Every damn day. And then what happens is you get overwhelmed because you're kind of stuck, right? True. As I get older, and I am getting older, folks, I may not look it. You may <laughs> think, oh, he's like Dorian Gray. He's going backwards. Yeah, wow. Wow, he's, he's, he's going backwards. I am getting older, folks. It's hard to believe. The thing I notice is how important it is to maintain a balance. You know, I guess you'd call it work-life balance. I don't think I'm alone here, but therapy's helped me do this, this balance. It can help you find equilibrium. It can help you feel more empowered in the decisions you make, the boundaries and priorities you set. It's good in that way. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. And all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Sometimes that's hard, right, to find the right person. So this helps. You can change. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash chinwag today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash chinwag. A lot of prophets use some kind of substance to alter the, you know, the mind so that they can access the other realm, man. Really? Do you think this is true of all the kind of like... Well, like the prophets in like in ancient Greece, the oracles, they would be totally high. They would would like burn stuff on the fire and be breathing this in. Really? And like mushrooms and stuff like that? Mushrooms, like we're not sure what it was. But remember we were talking to this specialist on psychedelics and he was saying Soma, which gets referred to in a lot of these cultures as like a shaman substance may well have been cannabis or magic mushrooms or some kind of other hallucinogenic substance. Right. So you got to be tripping balls to be a prophet. Well, I think you do. Yeah, you do. Because you have to see to the other side and bring back that wisdom. It's weird because it kind of vaguely like shamanism too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it has a weird sort of like, it, it kind of, it, it kind of shades into other things. What's the difference? I was like, what's the difference between like, you know, a psychic and a prophet? They're, I mean, I guess a psychic is, psychics will talk to the dead and shit like that. But I guess a clairvoyant is like, you're going to get a traffic ticket on Tuesday. And the prophet is like, the empire is going to fall. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they and go like, bigger. They I guess just they go to think the big bigger. stuff. Is yeah. that what it is? 
I read an interesting thing a guy once said about prophecy that I thought was kind of great, which was prophecy only works in retrospect. You're only a prophet when people haven't listened to you. <laughs> and that it is, that it's in retrospect, that you realize, oh, I should have oh, listened got to that, that guy. Right. That that's, the only, that's only when prophecy is really powerful is when it's too late. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because actually what the reason why I think prophets are popular is because they, they sort of help you with two really difficult emotions. One is fear and the other is hope. So we're afraid and we don't know what's going to happen next. And the prophet comes along and goes, there's a secret pattern here. But also... But it's, they don't seem to be telling you particularly hopeful shit. I well, mean, they're all like, Hitler's going to come along. Okay. And like, <laughs> I mean, that doesn't seem true. terribly hopeful, a lot of it. Well, although, like, what, what Nostradamus cl seems to have predicted, according to some of his fans, is, is the rise of Hitler... By, and if you might have the actual quatrain I think I on do, you, yeah, you may be carrying the quatrain. Uh, but That's right. He wrote in these four-line little poems. Yeah, and it seems like it refers to Hitler, but what's funny about it is the very, like a, a few quatrains later, he says, there may be a very tall savior. And people interpret that to mean that's Charles de Gaulle. Charles de Gaulle yeah. is the very Charles tall savior. Charles de Gaulle is going to solve the well, problem. Well, there's a whole thing that supposedly references Hitler. And one of these quatrains is, Beasts wild with hunger shall swim the rivers. Most of the host shall move against Ister. He'll have the great one dragged in iron cage when the child, the German Rhine, surveys. And supposedly this thing about moving against Ister. Ister is Hitler is, with is one Hitler, letter right, off. Hitler spelled totally wrong. <laughs> and, and that apparently... He nailed it. But that's the thing you realize, too, is that the translations, people really monkey around with the translations yeah. to get them to work right. This, is, this was this translation that was done not too long ago by an actual poet. Who, uh -huh. like, and so it's a kind of serious treatment of it. And this guy's whole take is that actually he's kind of an amazing poet and that he's kind of an artist in a way. Well, and that, read another one so we can hear the really, language. Read you some more? Oh, I don't know, yeah. man. Because I think all, people know his name, but they don't know what the stuff actually sounds like. The Celtic stream shall change its very shores. Agrippina's city go down in defeat. All but the ancient tongue shall be transformed. Saturn, Leo, Mars, Cancer in retreat. <laughs> nice. How the fuck people get stuff out of this, I do not know. It is kind of amazing. And it's like, how the fuck anybody gets any meaning out of these things? I don't know. <laughs> the great power by the river Tamiz shall fall just when the king is locked within. Near the bridge he shall be seen in chemise. Fuck you don't get that? Huh? You don't get it? I get nothing out of this. I'm getting oh, nothing from this. Sad. But I will say that in reading this stuff, which I never had, when you just sort of read them en masse like this, they're weird. They're very yeah. weird. And it's like, I sit there and go... If he wasn't just tripping on nutmeg, what the fuck was he doing, actually? Like, what is he doing? He wrote like a thousand of he these. He wrote six thousand. Six, of these Jesus. It's like, Christ. so you say to yourself, if he's just a fucking quack or a charlatan, he's committed. He's man. committed to it, yeah. You know, and you really got to say to yourself, these guys are committed. So maybe there is something to it because like what else what is he doing well he i think he's sincere he's like not just ripping people off i think he believes he's uncovering real truths right and that's what's it's funny to me that thing because i often wonder about because there were other guys doing this but his catches on yeah and i think about things like i mean 
I wonder about like, why does Christianity catch on and not all the other things? You know, I mean, it's like, how come we're not, why didn't, why didn't ISIS worship just stay with us? Yeah. So we could all be worshiping ISIS now. Not the military awesome. group, but the, well, the Egyptian, yeah, yeah. Or, the you know Egyptian I mean? like, god. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Worshiping Neptune <laughs> yes. or whatever, you know, it's like worshiping Zeus. Zoroaster, worshiping fire. But for some reason, Christianity, for some reason, takes hold. And I always think about like Mormonism. Yeah. Like there's all these religions going on. There's all these people at that time. There's all these other crazy millenarial apocalyptic cult of religious movements yeah. and all this stuff. But for some reason, the guy in upstate New York, the 18-year-old kid <laughs> in upstate New York who finds some golden plates in the farm in a field, he won't let anybody else look at them, puts two <laughs> stones in a hat and starts like dictating the book to other people and writes this fucking book that catches on. That catches on. And catches on to such an extent that people are persecuting him yeah. almost right away. You know what I mean? And that it's is like, weird. Why does one thing catch on and not another? Why is this still a guy? When you look at them and you're like, this makes no fucking sense, any of it. It's like, I can't figure out what any of okay, this means. Okay, but there's, I think these things, they don't exist in a vacuum. So it's, I remember when I was living in Cambodia, I met a, just a girl who was like tending bar and she's like, I, she, her English was really good. I said, how is your English so good? And she said, well, I'm, I'm a Mormon. And we go to the Mormon church. And for her, the Mormon church was also this way to like learn English and also come to America and to study and to advance her, po you know, her possibilities in the world. Uh -huh. And you look at the major things that take off, they oftentimes give you power and opportunity. Uh -huh. I don't know how Nostradamus did it. Well, I guess it gives you power by suggesting you're you have the ability to know what's going to happen yeah i think that's it but it doesn't make any fucking sense man i can't read it so it's really weird but i guess mormonism too has some i don't are there any mormons here am i gonna there's a question and answer we can period talk about so them. you can unload on we can talk them. about the mormons i i mean i i but people have said that mormonism has a kind of that it sort of taps into something about the american kind of you know, oh, free the, market kind of in the know, frontier get a big family and everybody will like work hard. You know, I, I suppose that that's somehow why it took hold in America, but it takes hold. It takes hold everywhere. <laughs> and that's the other. And I'm like the fucking Joseph Smith. Sorry. <laughs> fucking Joseph Smith. He wrote a whole book though. I mean, the thing is, it's like, there's got to be something. The energy to it. level, the motivation yeah. surprises you. I mean, you were saying before, maybe it's just the sheer amount of it. The sheer amount, the, the quantity. The fact that there is a book. Yeah, yeah. Which the other guys didn't do. The fact that somebody actually sits down and go, "I have, I have a text, so you can't fuck with me." Yeah, yeah. This is like this. This is it. I got it all but, here. But, but also, he this book gets translated. Like, here's here's an interesting story. He. Uh, when they think Hitler might be coming, the French uh, do a new translation and they alter the, the, the quatrains to make it look like the French will win whatever's coming. The Germans do the same thing in German. And the Americans do the same And the, the Americans thing. do the same thing and they even make little movies. Like MGM makes little movies about Everybody Nostradamus. Was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody was using him, which yeah. is so weird. It is weird. And the Germans were dropping pamphlets with his quatrains yeah. on the French. Uh, Goebbels who was the, the Nazi sort of propaganda, propaganda minister, minister yeah. he, said, uh, he said, oh, the British and the Americans will fall for this Nostradamus bullshit, so let's use it against them and drop these pamphlets that make it look like the Reich will yeah, win or just, something. 
Which just leads you to go, it, it can be bent into any shape yeah. you want to bend it into. Because it's vague. What's that? It's vague. Yeah, it's super weird to me. It's super, super weird to me. And looking at this stuff too, it's like, there are still, I mean, you know, we have all these psychics and stuff now. I was amazed to see that actually the, the Dalai Lama has a, has a prophet that he consults regularly. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that it's like there's a guy who for one guy in, in each generation or in each, each Lama will choose a guy who then... His personal yeah, astrologer? Yeah, who can then can channel a, uh, oh. a, a spirit that will then act as a, an oracle for him. I didn't know that. That's crazy. That it's still that it's still really present in the world is amazing. Well, Hitler thought sorry to keep going back to Hitler. Well, and the it Nazis. does. And unfortunately, <laughs> this shit always comes back to those guys. <laughs> All of this back. crazy stuff comes back to those guys. Unfortunately, and he had a copy of Nostradamus in the um, in the bunker when they found him. He had like eighty books, and that was one of them. He had eighty books, and yeah. that was one of them. I'd like to know what else was in the library. Yeah. No, it's fa it's super weird to me. It's like, I, and and that idea of like, are they intentionally being sort of charlatans or not is is a thing I can never figure out. I don't think so. I think most of these people that have lasted a really long time, they're not charlatans. They were sincere. I think he's sincere. But that whole thing is that a good a good con artist and a good charlatan has to actually believe his own bullshit. Oh. You know, at some point. Or, or that the yeah, line... Yeah, look at politicians, yeah. Yeah, well, look at politicians or like, you know, Bernie Madoff or something yeah. like that, who at some point must actually must actually believe his own shit or he must like... That's a, It's a part of this that's always fascinating to me. Well, you're the actor. Oh, uh, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. And I'm just thinking like, is there some time when you're playing a role and you're like, it kind of it inhabits you or you inhabit it like you become the thing you know what i mean yeah no totally and it's and and the like he's played some assholes okay we don't, <laughs> is this where we're gonna go now really is this oh, oh i see and I, sorry ebert is this where we're gonna start like thumbs up thumbs down we're gonna have I'm a little saying, critique you know, of my career yeah. is that what's going on i've played some assholes yes are you suggesting that means i, I, I am an I asshole i don't know where i was going with that i just wanted to bring no, it up but it's true well but that's a whole weird i mean you get into a weird realm of how much is it with acting how much is it the person yeah how much am i being myself yeah and how much is it like being somebody else and inevitably it's coming out of you in some way so you can't really say it's not you because it's coming out of every my experience and my imagination and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm manifesting all of that stuff. So it's got to be me in some way, you know. But with these guys, I don't know. You know, it's like sincerity and stuff like that. I don't know. It's but they're strange. doing a lot of performing, right? I mean, you're you got to imagine these must have been like in public. Some of these things. You think so? I think so. Like I suppose so. Yeah, I suppose all those like. Prophets, the maybe the biblical prophets, yeah. were they like walking around doing this? They were real guys. Were they yeah, real guys? Shaman, yeah. But where was like Ezekiel a real guy? Do we know? Do we have any idea? Well, I I don't know about or Ezekiel. any of those prophets, Daniel and I, I Ezekiel. Th yeah, I think and stuff. like some of them, like Daniel, is like a prophet. One of those books that was it's written in the second century uh, BCE, but it's supposed to look like it's happening in the 6th century BCE, which is a clever move for prophecy. Oh, weird. Right. Weird. Oh, so it's oh, so he's already setting it in the future? Yeah, no, he's setting it in the past and, oh, and making see. it look right. like right. all it that shit, yeah, Sorry, all that shit happened, you know, right. basically. 
And he, I believe there is a, a real Daniel, but then it all gets like completely, you know, distorted through the storytelling. And, the, and there is a John from the book of Revelation. There is a guy. John there was Patmos. a guy. Yeah. And he was clearly eating a lot of nutmeg. He was, he was way into the nutmeg. He was super John, into the, the he, got, of, he got way into the nutmeg because that stuff is crazy. And that, talk about something that has lasted. Yeah. And almost more than anything. The book of Revelation. That has kept, I was looking at that again, which I hadn't looked at in a long time. It's awesome. And I was like, oh, I just thought there were one or two batshit things in this. <laughs> no, there's a lot. But it's just endlessly batshit. Batshit or just clever and imaginative and fantastic. Well, yeah, clever and imaginative. But that's also the thing. It's like, it's talking in weird sort of signs and symbols and yeah. images and all that stuff is more powerful than you know i mean it's literal like language and yeah. i'll always those images and a dragon yeah you know it's like things like this will always and there's planets mars and all these like things i think that's part of the power too which is why i i buy the idea that it's it's he's a poet in some ways you know and, and in some ways when i look at it i'm like Everything else aside, about even whether it's about anything specific, it kind of is scary when you yeah, read it. Yeah, it's a little There's scary. There's something really scary yeah, about it. End of the world stuff. Yeah, I remember when I lived in Seattle a long time ago. I it was approaching the millennium, and it was in the nineties. Oh I yeah. Bought this book, kind of cheesy, crappy, <laughs> like you know, not like a drugstore. You know, I'm fucking wandering around, probably high on nutmeg, and I'm like, and I found some crappy like paperback like predictions thing. It was all these, and I just remember thinking it scared the shit out of me. Did it? Yeah, and it wasn't even so much. It was just the idea, the, the apocalyptic level yeah. of it. No matter what it was or who it was that was saying it, this sense of disaster. Did you I mean, see those comics? At, he's looking in the future, and it's just a fucking disaster. It's a total disaster, yeah. Yeah. But there's hope. This is what I'm saying. It's fear and hope because you, you're going to have a terrible judgment. There's the good and the bad, and all of it's going to be judged, and then there's going to be a battle, the Armageddon, and then there's going to be a great unifying of all that stuff. It's all going to be fixed in, that's in a true. new paradise. There, yeah, like so somebody's always going to come in and fix yeah. it. That's yeah. what Carl Jung, the psychologist, thought there was a kind of archetype of apocalypses, and he thought that was the key. Wherever you see them, it's like opposites in tension with each other, fighting, then some kind of final judgment and battle, and then the unity of the opposites. Ah, so it's always going to somehow unify and then break apart and unify and break apart and unify. Yeah, and you see that in Christianity. You see it in, it's in Hinduism. It's in, in, their, in their sort of apocalyptic, at the end, there will be something after it that's okay. Yeah, that's good. That's Everything great. goes to shit, and then it will be yeah. okay. So be afraid, but not too afraid. People use different stuff to predict the future, like divination techniques, like... What were I some did. of the things that I you said? I found an interesting, this was interesting. I found a list on um, uh, something called Wikipedia um, <laughs> that I was fascinated the to discover. Yeah, I was fascinated to discover this. It's a handy, uh, handy thing. I was actually amazed to see how many different kinds of methods of divination there were. And there's all kinds of things on here using all different kinds of things. There was something, I, I was struck by something called occultomancy, which is divination by needles, which struck a thing with me because I had a great aunt 
who, an Italian great aunt who apparently read fortunes with a needle in a bowl of water. Really? Or, or pouring the olive oil in the water and the patterns of the oil in the oh, water. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? How would that, how would that translate into the future? Like, what, how do you fuck How the fuck would I know, Steve? I don't know. I'm, I'm Italian, but I'm not that <laughs> no. Italian. I mean, you know, I'm a, there's limits to my Italianness. Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, but it's all that stuff. Tea leaves? Like, I've never understood that. How the fuck are you supposed to be reading uh, tea leaves? None of that makes any sense to me. There's this thing called a pantomancy, chance encounters with animals. Pantomancy? A pantomancy. Oh, a pan. Which I don't know what the hell that means. I'm like, I have, I have every now and then a chance encounter with my cat, and I can tell that... The future's not good because my cat, I don't think my cat likes me. Um, but there were all kinds of interesting things. There was something called Arsgang, which is a Swedish form. Somebody heard of this? Did somebody just say? Did somebody somebody like, yeah, Arsgang. Like, really, is there a Swede out there who knows what Arsgang is? <laughs> Arsgang is some kind of like, before the first light of Christmas Eve, which whatever that means, you'd, you, without looking at a fire with no food or drink, you walk into the forest further than you can hear a rooster crow, which is far. And you look at the, you, you study the fields and the roads and you will see the future and learn about the harvests and the funerals and you will have supernatural encounters. That's Sweden, Steve. That is Sweden. Who knew it was that action-packed in Sweden? But there's all kinds of crazy things. There's catoptromancy, which is, which is a mirror, looking into a mirror, oh. which I thought was interesting. There's something called cephalomancy. cephalomancy the brain? Like, boiling a donkey's head. Close. Oh, shit. But was also turned out to be heating the skull of a donkey oh. to find out who a murderer was. And as you're naming people's names, the potential murderer, <laughs> if the skull cracks or, That's the the or the jaw pops open, you're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> Don't this do the is crime if you cannot do the time. It's so that'll, that'll, you're it's fucked. better than the and Ouija something board. Something called osteomancy too, which was any bones. Oh, bones. Throw in a fire, and if they cracked or something like that, that, that would, would tell be you an indication. Of something which sounds super primitive. Well, there's crazy. also the liver, right? Was a big thing. You, you could read cut the, the liver. You could read it, all the like entrails of yeah. things and stuff like that. Was a big one. Uh, there's something called oh, this one I really liked, Claydonism. And there's a form of this apparently in Iran, was in Persian Iran. You would go to a shrine to Hermes in ancient Greece. You would whisper your question into a statue of the god's ear. You would go out then and listen for the god's answer in any chance words you heard of passersby. <laughs> Isn't that weird? And apparently in Iran, girls, it's a thing that young women do where the, you will try, you will go out, you will have a question, and you will listen to strangers around you to catch any chance word that seems significant. Relevant, significant. Yeah, that seems like it Okay, will. but that's the key is, I think these things work, in scare quotes here, because you, the listener, right. connect the dots. Like you're the, like here's an example. I, yeah, last week in my class, I, have a, I was teaching a logic class, and I, I brought in the day's horoscope, and I said, okay, where are the you know, Sagittarius? And a couple of kids raised their hand. I read their horoscope. <laughs> I said, where are the Pisces? They raised their hand. I read their horoscope. Uh -huh. I do this like five times. Then I said, how many of you felt like I actually captured something about you in these horoscopes? What was, was there some essential quality that you identified with? And they were like, yeah, totally. Yeah. And then I revealed that I hadn't read their horoscope at all. 
I'd read somebody oh, else's horse. Fuck you. I know, You're going to get a bad asshole, rating. Yeah. So be like, mean. Professor Osmond's yeah. an asshole. Total asshole, yeah. You should see my teaching evaluations. <laughs> this guy's an asshole. Liar. Yeah, yeah, totally. But you see what I mean? Like, if it's yeah, vague no, enough. Yeah, totally. And that's what, like, things like the I Ching. Has anybody ever used the I Ching? Or do you ever use the I Ching? I have not. Oh, really? No, I have not. Oh, my God. It's amazing. And again, because it always seems to be meaningful in some way. But Where's all, the, what's the situation where you used it and you felt like it? Anything. It, I mean, you can kind of, I mean, I know people who just sort of consulted at the beginning of the day oh, to okay. see like, you know, how, well, how's my day going to be or whatever. But you can consult about specific things. And there's a whole elaborate way of doing the I Ching with these straws where you sort yeah. of like, and it takes forever to get the six sort of uh, whatever the hexa, to create yeah. a hexagram with all these different configurations. Um, but it always feels incredibly meaningful. It does. It does. And, and it, it, but, but again, it's all interpretation and stuff. And, I know and tarot somebody, and stuff like that. Yeah, tarot's like, like this thing. too. Somebody I, I know rolls a 20-sided dice every morning. And if it's above 10, they're like, it's going to be a good day. And if it's below 10, they're like, it's going to be a bad day. Wow. And I think it, it doesn't really give you you know, actionable knowledge, but it could uh -huh. help you deal with the day that you have ahead of you. So it's kind of a coping mechanism. Sure. No, it always yeah. is. No, it, and, it, and it's generally comforting. You generally walk away from it going, but I did want to just close out with one Do it. form of, my favorite form of divination that I read about is, I'd heard about this, but I, I, I didn't know it was a real thing, is rumpology which is reading people's asses. <laughs> Rumpology Rump or bottom reading, I have to read this to you, is a pseudoscience, no kidding, akin to no. phrenology, okay, performed by examining crevices, dimples, warts, moles, and folds of a person's buttocks in much the same way a palm reader would read the hand. It is a neologism, although it's been around for a while, uh, coined by late American astrologer Jackie Stallone, Sly Stallone's mother. Oh, God. But it has, it is, but. it is traceable, <laughs> but traceable back to the Babylonians, Indians, ancient Greeks, and Romans. But this is the great thing. Rumpologists have a variety of theories as to the meaning of different posterior characteristics. According to Stallone, the left and right buttocks reveal a person's past and future, respectively. Although she commented that, quote, the crack of your behind corresponds to the division of the two hemispheres of the brain. <laughs> oh, dear. According to blind German clairvoyant and rumpologist Ulf Buck, <laughs> Come on. a, quote, apple-shaped muscular bottom indicates someone who is charismatic, dynamic, very confident, and often creative. Ulf, that sounds right. Ulf, Ulf knows. That actually sounds right. A person who enjoys life. Yes. I would say a person with an apple-shaped muscular bottom would enjoy life. A pear-shaped bottom suggests someone very steadfast, patient, and down-to-earth. Makes sense. The British rumpologist Sam Amos claims oh that, quote, God. I know, a round bottom indicates a person is open, happy, and optimistic in life. However... A flat bottom suggests the person is rather vain, negative, and sad. Oh, and I can man. attest to that, Steve. <laughs> I can absolutely attest to that. Rumpology can be performed either by sight, touch, or by using buttock prints. <laughs> In addition to live readings, Jackie Stallone performed buttock readings using email digital photographs. Or maybe Xeroxes. People just plopping their ass on a Xerox. And has claimed to predict the outcome of presidential elections. Whose ass was she reading? <laughs> 
Mike Dukakis's ass and Oscar awards by Oscar awards by reading the bottoms of her two pet Doberman pictures. What the fuck? Oh, Ulf Buck, who is blind, Ulf who is blind yeah. claims he can read people's futures by feeling their naked buttocks. I bet he does, yeah. Yes, he does. Well, that was a ton of fun. We really hope you enjoyed this chinwag. Thank you for listening. Uh, we have bonus content coming your way in a few days, so please keep an eye out for that. And don't forget to like us, follow us, rate us, and review us. All that kind of good stuff. We love to hear from you. And until next time, wag on. Chinwag is a production of Treefort Media and Touchy Feely Films. Hosted and executive produced by Paul Giamatti and Stephen Asma. Executive producers for Treefort are Kelly Garner and Lisa Ammerman. Dan Carey is executive producer for Touchy Feely. Our series producer is Rachel Whitley Bernstein. Original theme music by Luke Topp, with additional music by Via Mardot. Oscar Guido is our executive in charge of production. Tom Monahan is head of audio for Treefort. Animation created by Alex Sokol. Editing and mixing by Jeff Neal. Lastly, for more information, go to chinwagpod.fm and find us on Instagram or TikTok at chinwagpod or on Twitter at chinwag underscore pod. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod.